What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I'm Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile, but I'm not joined by my fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry, today because he, of course, is on assignment. He is, of course, well, he's doing two things. One, he is scouting international prospects um, because he is he's not. He's not in the United States, but as loyal listeners of the podcast will know, Kevin is always traveling. So, and by the way, if you understand this reference, please let me know. Um, (laughs) He is getting his crepe pans reseasoned early um, because as we all know, the old adage is saucepans in summer, crepe pans in fall. And he's getting his saucepans and crepe pans reseasoned right now. Um, So, because he's always traveling. So um, he is doing that internationally. Of course, you have to do it internationally. Um, so yeah, it's, he's getting a head start on that. So instead I am joined by DNVR Rockies beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And of course, friend of the podcast and the site, Patrick, how are you? I'm doing great. I've uh, been warming up in the bullpen here for a couple months, waiting for the call, and uh, I saw your hand go up, and so here I am. I'm glad to be here. Now, do you know what reference the crepe pans and saucepans are from? You know, I I don't. I don't, and I love good references. I've never heard that <laughs> before <laughs> in my life. I have no idea what that is. Well, as a, the uh, one year co-host, Susie Hunter, might know can i i believe she's finished the full series of watching that but that is from fraser so oh my wife uh, is a big big fraser head so she might uh be aware of that okay interesting season seven season seven there you go <laughs> sauce pans in summer crepe pans in fall when winter's upon us there's food for us all so. <laughs> I I had to make the reference. So, okay. So for the Rockies starting out this year, they've surprised some people as we enter play on Tuesday, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, the Rockies are seven and three, but they're still in third place in the NL West. We all knew the NL West would be a division that would be strong and sure enough, the Dodgers are eight and two. The Giants are seven and two. So the Rockies are in third place, despite being tied for the third best record in the National League. But if you look at the numbers, I, 
I'm not necessarily surprised that they're off to a fast start, especially with some of the teams that they've played, like Texas, for example. But I, and I'd be interested to get your opinion on this, Patrick. I didn't expect it to necessarily be because the starting rotation has struggled a little bit, particularly Austin Gomber and Kyle Freeland, who's going to start today for the Rockies. But it's mainly been because of the offense and even more in particular, the designated hitter. Yeah, I would throw the bullpen in there as well in, in the depth yeah. chart of, of overall surprises because I think as good as the offense has been, we've seen them struggle in some of those big spots, runners in scoring position, which you know seems to be a through line the last couple seasons. And so uh, that's one area that they can still improve. And you're right, yeah, the starting rotation is supposed to be the strength. But the, it's been the bullpen that's that's been that that backbone. But but the DH spot has has really helped the Rockies. You know, we knew that it it should have probably helped them more than anyone else, just with getting guys off their feet and you know combating altitude and things of that nature. But particularly the way that they've gone about it and utilize a guy like Connor Joe, who doesn't have a a true position you know, where he can get super comfortable, maybe first base would be that they already have CJ Crone. Uh, he's Joe's comfortable out in left field, but they already have Chris Bryant. So they've kind of been working those three guys uh, in and out of that DH spot in addition with Charlie Blackman. And I think that's, that's helped in a really big way. I, I think I said this off season that now Bud Black, especially with a lot of the flexibility that these players have defensively, that he can just go out and say, what's my best lineup? and then figure out where to play guys defensively. And, and that's really gone to the Rockies advantage. Yeah. And that's one of the things of having a versatile team where you can't say, Oh, I have these two guys that are really good hitters, but both can only play first base or both can only play right field. So you kind of have to give up a little bit on the lineup or, even now with the DH, okay, we have these four or five guys that can play first and the outfield spots, but we can give one a day off and kind of cycle them through with the DH. Or even like with Chris Bryant, okay, he's kind of day-to-day with an injury or any other player with an injury, and it's not severe enough where they have to go on the injured list or even take a full day off. They can you can still get their bat in the lineup for four at bats, but they don't have to take the field. Yeah. Also, I found this very interesting with war. I'll be interested to see if you can get these two with, this is baseball references war. And it shows you how uh, unsung heroes to start the season. Can you name the top two players in baseball references war to start the year for the Rockies? Well, it probably should be Connor Joe. Because he's, I know, I know Fangraphs, he was number one, uh, even after his, his performance on Monday, going one for three with a walk and had two really great at-bats, even uh, though they were out here in his, in his final two plate appearances. But uh, I'd have to say it would have to be Connor Joe there. Are they both uh, position players? Um, they are both pitchers. Well, they are. All right. If, if you one. actually go with Tide, there you have actually four players, but three pitchers, one position player. And it's not Connor Joe. Uh, I probably throw Justin Lawrence up there. 
he pitched a lot. He's pitched up there. Uh, He's not quite there, but I will say two of them are relievers. Well, tie block, uh, not that wins above replacement does anything as far as wins and saves goes, but, you know, his two outings have been great. I think uh, five and two thirds innings pitch for him overall hasn't given up a run. So he is the top on the team. The little cat is on top. Yeah, he has an R war of 0.8 to start the season. Nobody else has tied him. Number two is Chad Cool. And he has the slight edge over CJ Crone and Ashton Goudeau, but technically they are tied. Um, and then it's Connor Joe at point six. But yeah, I mean, even two weeks ago, if you would have said tie block, Chad Cool and Ashton Goudeau are three of your top four guys, you would have said they probably aren't off to a great start. They're three and seven instead of seven and three. Yeah, it's just pretty much everybody has played well. I mean, obviously there's been a few exceptions. Brendan Rogers, for example, has really struggled at the plate. Kyle Freeland, as we mentioned, Austin Gomber, but otherwise, and like you said, too, with the bullpen, the bullpen is, I mean, who has pitched poorly in the bullpen? Overall, really nobody. Alex Colomay had a clunker, but, he pitched again last night and had a scoreless inning. So he's got a 245 ERA now on the season. And the highest bullpen ERA is Yulish Chassin at 426. And that's still an ERA plus of 109. Yeah. I think Carlos Estevez has been a guy that, you know, hasn't pitched as good as his ERA might uh, show. Yeah. And he did have a three walk outing, which again, that that's kind of the difference I think right now between baseball reference and fan graphs, baseball reference sort of gives guys credit for what they did. And fan graph says, well, here's what should have happened, even though it's not what happened. And yeah. so here's how good you actually were, even though you have a 200 batting average and four RBI after 600 plate appearances It's saying yeah. fan graphs is like, well, no, but in a normal situation and setting, you'd be really good. But as it were, maybe you had a little bit of bad luck. So it is kind of interesting to, to look at those two things um, and maybe even, you know, project forward and, and say, okay, well, here's maybe who's had a little bit of, of bad luck. So you'd almost have to say that there's been some of the relievers who've had more good luck than, than bad. And, you know, when the starting pitchers come out, the, I think the bullpen has, has struggled a little bit with uh, stranding those runners, but when a reliever comes in for another reliever in those spots later in the game, they've, they've done well to get out of those jams. So it's just one of those uh, strange little anomalies statistic wise. And that's one of the things like with the Stevis, he has a two seven ERA, but if you look at his FIP, it's 580. So that obviously suggests that he's had some good luck. But on the flip side with Shasin, that 426 ERA, his FIP is 231. So it's been complete opposite for Aceves and Shasin so far. But entering play on Tuesday, the Rockies have a team ERA of 336, which is fourth in the NL. And they have a fielding independent pitching or FIP of 344. So essentially they're just about the same of what they pitched so far. And if you look at the whip, it's a little bit higher than you would expect from most teams. But again, playing at Coors Field, it's going to be a little bit higher. 
you'd like the strikeout rate to be higher in a vacuum, but it Coors Field, it's better to get ground balls, and the Rockies have gotten that so far. So, and that, that's been one of the main things with Chad Cool. And we had an article on the site probably a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago now, saying how Chad Cool could succeed at Coors Field because while he's not as dominant as Marquez or Senzatella or even Gomber in the in the low fastball spin rate and ground ball rate department, he's still pretty high up there. And that led to his detriment last year with, with Pirates. He made 28, start, uh, 28 games, 14 starts, had an ERA nearly a five. But if you look at his home road splits, it was, it was really wild where he had on the road, he had a 732 ERA. It, it helped him out at uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh. He only had a 241 ERA. Um, but yeah, that, and it was roughly equivalent on the innings, 41 innings at home, 39 innings on the road. So perhaps that will help him out at Coors Field. And we saw them yesterday, and you saw it in person, of course, that he pitched really well. Yeah, he's interesting. I, <laughs> it's funny watching him pitch. The first half, maybe first three quarters of his windup and delivery resembled John Gray. Like, I don't know if it's a, some kind of mental thing with, all right, there were four guys that were in the rotation last year that are in the rotation this year. And John Gray is what's missing and Chad cool replaces him. So I don't know if it's my mind doing it or, you know, they really do kind of have the same way they, they go about their business there, but, but he's been, you know, interesting. He's been really solid so far. I think the, the statistic uh, that came out uh, last night after uh, his, his solid uh, six innings, two hits, one walk, four strikeout, no earned run start. Uh, first one at Coors Field as a member of the Rockies was that, it was, you know, the best start uh, by a, a Rockies pitcher in, in 10 and one third innings pitch since Ryan Castellani, which might be a little bit damning there. But uh, yeah, he's been he's just been really solid and his his game matches what the rest of the Rockies starters um, are, are going out there to do with with keeping the ball down. You know, he throws a two seam fastball, which, you know, obviously isn't going to get as much movement as it would elsewhere at, at sea level, but he's been able to come down on the ball really nicely and, and induce those uh, ground balls and, and, and get the double plays uh, at times. And, and the Rockies are working with him on that because he was just a little bit too outside the zone when uh, he had his first start there in, in Texas and, and just walked too many. And uh, as Buddy mentioned uh, on Monday after the game, that sometimes when you're too far outside the zone, it's hard to get back in it. So if you can just stay around there and, and he did on, on Monday night and was just cruising that game, we were halfway through, we were in the bottom of the fifth inning at an hour, 16 minutes. And, and that had to do with, you know, Chad cool having these quick innings. I think 20 pitches was the most he threw, but uh, it was just really effective. And you can see that this guy, you know, when healthy, it has been pretty consistent, mostly because you look at what he's done in Pittsburgh and his ERA is always between like 4.2 and 4.8. So the, there's certainly a consistency that the Rockies would love to have because they don't always have that type of consistency. So I, I think we, we can expect, 
you know, Chad Cool to continue to be successful on the mound. I don't think he's going to have a 0.87 ERA for the whole year. Yeah. Hot take, maybe, but uh, <laughs> but he, I think he's going to be, you know, really good. And if, as long as he can keep these injuries down, first it was the middle finger, and now you know a little impingement there in the in the hip flexor, which he said maybe had something to do with the temperature down the field. It was very comfortable in the press box, but nevertheless, you know, these things kind of uh, rear their ugly head at times. So as, as long as he can stay healthy, I think the Rockies have a good one in their number five starter. And I have to say, you brought up how he looked a little bit like John Gray. We had an article. It was this morning, the morning after that, that Dwayne Depron did. And soon as I saw the picture in the article, when I was editing it, I was like, Oh my God, I, I honestly would have thought it was John Gray. I, I made sure like, okay, that, that looks like a slightly skinnier version of John Gray. Let's Definitely. make sure that that's, John, that's, that's Chad cool. Not John Gray. And a little Turn shorter. Yeah. And, and a, yeah. a little bit shorter, but well, that that's good to know that you saw the resemblance in a still photograph rather than even just, you know, in motion, but you're right. It has this, it's the way they hold their glove too to start how, yeah. how they hold the glove out in front of them. That's, that's a big one. And, and this, this short step to the side, there's a resemblance there. So Chad Cool is listed at six three two zero five, and John Gray is listed at six four two twenty five. So, so right. fairly close. But John Gray has the edge on him in both of them. But yeah, <laughs> still, I mean, they. It's, it's, I think part of it's the uh, reddish beard as well, which which helps. Yeah, so. that's some of it. That's some of it too. Yeah. So, well, on the other side of this break, we will talk a little bit more about the Rockies and how they've played thus far, but we'll also give a little bit of a preview on what is ahead for them, especially here in the next week or so. So we will talk about that on the other side of this break back here on the rocks pile Rockies report, Noah Yingling along with DNVR Rockies beat reporter, Patrick Lyons, as of course, as we mentioned to start, Kevin Henry is on assignment. So for the Rockies, as we mentioned, the offense has really been a key so far. We talked about the DH, but some of the other positions as well. And one of them I'd like to get your feedback on of what you've seen and if you've talked with them at all yet is Randall Gritchick. Of course, he made that really great catch that was named the play of the week um, for last week, and he made that play in Texas. Um, but he's hitting so far as well. Hasn't hit for a ton of power, but he's hitting for the average, at least right now. He's hitting 318 with 400 on base percentage, 409 slugging. Um, he, after that play, had been out of the lineup for a few days due to an injury. But he's he was back yesterday. He, he had a two-run double, which is nearly a triple, but he got thrown out at third base. Um what are some of the takeaways you've had of seeing him so far? Yeah, I haven't seen the power. That's probably the biggest thing that jumps out as a guy that the Rockies acquired, you know, to bring some serious pop. You know, he, he hasn't found that stroke yet. But I also know that a lot of the Rockies really haven't found that power stroke yet, uh, even including Charlie Blackman's home run on, on Monday night. That's only 10 home runs by the Rockies, which, okay, there's 10 games. So that's all right. But, you know, last year they were, they were lacking 
the home run. And I think they were that they have like maybe 181 home runs, something like that. So that's that's almost one per game. So they're they haven't seen that improvement just yet. And CJ Crone had five of those those 10 home runs so far. So everyone's looking for that home run. I feel, you know, I feel like to get in that groove, whatever it may be. I don't know if, you know, the, all the humidors now at all the ballparks uh, have any impact. Of course, only have the two games on the road. Maybe they upgraded the, the humidor that they have at Coors Field. <laughs> Perhaps that is what's doing it. But, you know, I, I just haven't seen that pop yet. He's looked, he's looked good. Uh, I, I know there were a couple hits, I think in the Dodgers series that were just these little squibs. And so I think that's, you know, helped his batting average really nicely. I think he's sitting exactly at 333. Um, but, you know, haven't, haven't been wowed yet uh, by him at the plate. The fact that Buddy had him inserted there batting third in the lineup on Monday, I think is, is a testament that, okay, maybe they see something, you know, that we don't, um, you know, liking the matchup against Aaron Nola. So uh, I, I think we're still kind of waiting for Gritchuk to, you know, to have that. And, and maybe, as you mentioned, maybe that final at bat there in the seventh inning, with the two run double to give the Rockies some insurance runs in, in Monday's game. Maybe that's what kind of, you know, gets them pointed in the right direction. And we start to see that, that pop that has produced, you know, 20 plus home runs consistency consistently since, you know, he's been in the league um, going back to, to 2016 at 24 years old when he broke out with the Cardinals with 24 home runs. And, you mentioned uh, you thought it was 181 home runs in 2021. I looked it up. You were very close. It was 182. That would have been my next guess. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't <laughs> second guess myself. It was, too, it was too neat with the 182, 162. But then again, we didn't have 162. We only had 161. All right. Oh. I, I, re- I recalibrated in my brain. I, I, got, I got it now. Thank you. so yeah with the Rockies overall they only have 11 homers this year so far that's fourth in the NL but last year among the 15 NL teams the 182 home runs was ninth so that's something where granted it's obviously a small sample size that where they've seen a little bit of an uptick but also I mean in in the month of April and we've seen this in the majors. We've seen this some in the minors as well, um, where offense is usually a little bit slower to pick up. Where this year we kind of thought it would be pitchers and getting ramped up, but you do have a lot of the relievers, as Rockies have seen, and we mentioned a little bit earlier of the bullpen is pitching really well. But I, I it's. It's amazing to see, especially in the different leagues, especially in the minor leagues, because I've been looking at that a little bit here in the past few weeks. And for example, in um, in high A with Spokane, their league, the North, the Northwest League, Vancouver is leading the league in hitting at 238 and leading in OPS at 737. So. Spokane, they have a team ERA of 339, but that's fourth in the six-team league. <laughs> so that shows you of, they just have not had any offense there. And part of it, you I, at least I would have to think, is the weather. But, I mean, because when I was looking at the stats for the team, I'm like, wow, they, they really aren't hitting well. And then I looked comparatively and like, okay, they're hitting like third or fourth in the league, and they're hitting 210. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay. Context is king there. Yeah. And, and as you said, with Spokane and the Northwest league, that, that used to be a short season league. And I think that's, we're yeah. seeing why, because in April and May where, 
you know, it's probably very damp and the ball just doesn't carry. It's like, ah, you know, that's probably not a good place for, you know, recent high school draft picks or whatever to go to uh, during those two months. So we'll, we'll start their season in late June. Of course they reshuffle everything and, and now they've, they've got full season ball up there. And that, and that, that kind of reminds me of almost like seventies and eighties baseball. Like it, it, even if you look at like, for example, Bud Black stats, which I know he's, even yesterday he was talking about the 85 world series with you guys of like with bud black you see or whatever picture like oh he's got a three era okay that's decent and then you look era plus and it's like 101 like holy crap Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like it's always comparing to everyone else it's like okay so maybe maybe everybody's pitching well or everybody's not hitting well or vice versa. So it all, it all depends on the comparison. So, so for the Rockies heading forward, of course, as we mentioned, they have Kyle Freeland on the mound tonight against the Phillies. And that game will be at 640 mountain, 840 Eastern for those Phillies fans and yours truly in the Eastern time zone. And then tomorrow, of course, it's a getaway day game, Zach Eflin and Herman Marquez. And then off day on Thursday before the Rockies go to Detroit. And they, of course, that being a interleague game, the Rockies have not faced Detroit often. I'd have to go back and see the last time they played in, in Detroit. I, I believe it was 2008 if I remember correctly, but it has been a very long time since they've been there. And then they'll go see the Phillies again. So before the month of April is over, the Rockies and Phillies will be done, which that's one of the quirks of the scheduling, which there's, there's always some really weird quirks. I happen to see that the giants and brewers, I I don't understand the reason why. I don't know if you happen to catch this too, they next Monday, they're playing one game in Milwaukee and that's it. They do not face each other in Milwaukee again this year. And like I, how that happened, it's got to be because the lockout and canceling the games and all that. But I'm like one game and that's it. Really? <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, well, there's no. And you said it's next Monday. I, yeah, I believe it's. Yeah, it's. One week from yesterday. Wow. No, I, I, that doesn't make any sense at all. It it might make sense if they were, I want to say maybe I vaguely remember seeing something about San Francisco and Milwaukee. They were supposed to open the season, but, and then you say, okay, maybe it's a double header, but they moved all the double headers outside of April, obviously, you know, to take a little bit easier on the picture. So, uh, I do not have an answer for that one. That is, uh, that doesn't make sense in any capacity, unless that also was another, well, no, if, if you're saying they don't go back to Milwaukee at all. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is, and I didn't check this is maybe they're making up the double headers in San Francisco because they couldn't find mutual off days or whatever, but yeah, it's very bizarre. Maybe. So the Rockies, even though they have where they're done with the Phillies before April's even done, they, are not even close to the oddest April scheduling thing. So I, I mentioned with the um, with the Rockies and the Tigers playing in Detroit, it was it was June 29th 
2008 was the last time they were there. And the Rockies, I mean, they had Greg Reynolds start for them. So that tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> Greg was Reynolds last- against Kenny Rogers. Oh, the gambler. Gambler was dealing that day, I'm guessing. Yep, he won. Six innings, uh, three earned runs overall. The Rockies lost four to three. Wow. The Rockies pitchers that day were Greg Reynolds, Matt Herges, Jason Grilly, former Tiger, and Taylor Buckholes. So quite a, a quite a pitching uh, uh, quite a pitching matchup, and then the lineup was Willie Tavares, Todd Helton hitting second at first, Matt Holiday, Garrett Adkins, Ryan Spielborgs. Jeff Baker was the DH, Clint Barmas, Yorvit Torrealba, and Troy Tulowitzki hitting ninth. And that was in 2008. In 2007, he got MVP votes and was second in the Rookie of the Year voting. He was hitting ninth. But right. he was only hitting 157 on the season. That's why he was hitting ninth. All right, this might not be good form to correct the host, but I am seeing a box score here from August 3rd, 2014. Rockies. If if you see it different than me, please correct me. All right, we got Jorge De La Rosa, six and two thirds innings pitched against Annabelle Sanchez, who's still in the league. Right? Didn't he just sign with somebody? He, yeah, he's with with Washington. Yeah, yeah, Annabelle Sanchez still around. Said it was twenty fourteen. Yes. So, um, um, yep, you are correct. You are correct. Got to use that stat head. Yeah, you had Corey Dickerson, DH leading off, Josh Rutledge, uh, Joshua Fuentes, his cousin, batting third. So back-to-back Josh is in the lineup. Justin <laughs> Morneau hitting cleanup, Stubbs, Jason Pretty, William Rosario, Brendan Barnes, DJ LeMayhew. That, is, that might actually be a better lineup just for the name dropping there. I mean. Yeah. For eight years ago, there's still a decent amount of guys in, in the league there, and, and the pitchers were Jorge De La Rosa. Tommy Conley and Adam Ottavino. Yeah, and with Canley and uh, Ottavino, they're both still in the league. Canley's injured, but um, but yeah, that is. I I. It's very funny looking at the Tigers. Part of it is the uh, the guy who is in charge of all the MLB sites for fan cited. His name's Kurt Menching. He is a Tigers guy. So all of us people who run the different sites always make fun of the tigers in this period of time for having Scherzer and David price and Rick Porcello. They had five or six eventual Cy Young award winners and they won nothing. It's true. As bad as Bud Black would say, that's baseball. I mean, sometimes that happens where, I mean, in that lineup, a Eugenio Suarez was hitting ninth. Yes. Nick Castellanos Castellanos. hitting seventh. J.D. Martinez. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. That lineup was pretty solid. And they did absolutely nothing. They they made it to the postseason, but they got swept by the Orioles. Jim Leland, I think, was still in charge there, right? Uh, I believe that was Brad Osmus's first year. 2014? Yeah, that was Brad Osmus's first year. They, because they got to the championship series in 2013, and then of 
course, in 2013, that's when Joaquin Soria gave up the homer to right center field, and there was the cop just going nuts <laughs> over the home run. Yeah, that was in 2013. So, yeah, 2014, Osmus was their manager. And, yeah. Drew, Drew Smiley was also on that roster. I think had I had one start. Corey Knabel, guy we're seeing now in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and the Rockies just saw Drew Smiley a few days ago with Cub. But yeah, Justin Verlander, Scherzer, Porcello, Price got absolutely nothing out of it. So, but yeah, it, regardless whether it's been 2008 or 2014, which it's 2014, been a long time, but yeah. that will actually change next year, of course, as they will have a and they call it a quote unquote balanced schedule. It's <laughs> not really a balanced schedule. Um, it's a more balanced schedule, but um, it should be that every other year, the Rockies will be going to Detroit, at least as of now of what it looks like, because there would be three games each year against at least three games each year against every team. So it should be one series home, one away every other year, at least in theory. But again, they're scheduling quirks. There could be. Uh, that's that's being advertised, right? That's that's being advertised. And I bet you, I bet you it won't be as simple as that, even though it should be as simple as that. Right. Well, I was actually, I was, of course it was right before they announced it and I got scooped by it. I was, I was looking at the schedule like, okay, how can, they fit where every MLB team goes to every stadium yet still plays a decent amount of games in their division. And it ended up being at least the way I calculated it, 10 games versus the divisional partner. And then essentially I believe it was seven, six or seven against the, no, it was seven against the NL the other NL teams for the Rockies, at least, and then six against the American league teams, or maybe it was four. I, I forget. I don't have it right in front of me, but um, I was like, okay, you could actually balance it out for that. And then I, I was going to write something on it. And then they said, Oh, well, here's what the balance schedule is going to look like. And I'm like, yeah, that wasn't anything of what I looked like. That's, that's a more balanced schedule, not balanced, but so, I mean, there's been plenty of, if that's the only thing I'm scooped on, then that's, I will live with that. But now do you, so this will be the 16th game coming up here that the Rockies have played Detroit. Two questions. They're different, but have the Rockies ever played a game at Tiger stadium? Um, Go with your gut. I'm going to say no. Your gut is correct. Very nice. Now, I mean, Tiger Stadium the last year was 99 and interleague Mm -hmm. started in 97. So nice. I I knew I knew you had that there. And what city? This is this is this might blow you away. And maybe I've even mentioned this to you before. What city have the Rockies never won a game in? Was it only city? Is it Toronto? Or is it Baltimore? Yeah, your first instinct was correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, again, I might talk about this with other people and they could be flabbergasted, but I know for you, it's old hat. Like, oh yeah, Toronto, they're 0-9. <laughs> I haven't played there since like 2000, 
I think that they haven't played there since 2009. I think that was actually their last yeah. game in Toronto, which is insane. So I but, do know that the last time the Rockies and this will break this year, the the oldest, uh, the, the longest period of time they have not played in a stadium is at Chicago's guaranteed rate, whatever you want to call it. And I believe huh. I believe that was 2008 they played there. Maybe that's where I was getting confused with the Tigers. But yeah, that was I know that is the longest one. I looked that up earlier this offseason. I was like, huh, that's interesting because they they've come to Coors three or four times since then. Like that's again, scheduling quirk. But by the way, I, sh- I should note if there is a team that can defeat the Blue Jays in Toronto, it is the Rockies because one, at least of what I know, they're nearly if they're not 100 percent vaccinated, they're very close to. But they also have a Toronto Blue Jays legend in Bud Black managing their team. Of course, he pitched 15 and two thirds innings for the Blue Jays in 1990. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Legend. And yet, even though he was with the Giants in 91, his 90, 1991 baseball card for tops was with the Blue Jays. That's true. Yeah, he's had a, he's had a couple uh, cards uh, with, with all his different teams. Yeah. Very love that. A, a very odd trade, too, because he was with Cleveland and the Blue Jays were trying to get in the playoffs. They finished in second. But they, Cleveland traded him to Toronto September 15th or so. And so he wouldn't have been eligible for the playoffs. But two weeks prior, Dave Steeb threw, a new, uh, threw his first and only career no-hitter, of course, after he tried to get uh, – he was very close to getting a no-hitter five or six times. And he threw it in Cleveland, and the opposing pitcher was none other. Than Harry Ralston Black. You know what that is? That's baseball. <laughs> Boom. And one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a very, uh, uh, that, that would have to be weird of, oh, you guys just threw a, uh, you, you guys just threw a no hitter against the team I played for. And now two weeks later, I'm playing for you. That's, but again, it, that's baseball. I mean, it's, <laughs> so many odd things, especially in the early 90s there. And in fact, this one, uh, as we wrap up, I want to see if you get this one is, of course, we have to go off the rails because we just have <laughs> random baseball stuff that we think of. So in 1990, Willie McGee was with the St. Louis Cardinals to start the season. He was traded to the Oakland Athletics. And when he was with the Cardinals, he was hitting, I want to say, 335. When he was traded to Oakland, he hit like 268. So overall on the season, he hit 324. So in the American League, George Brett won the American League batting title, hitting 329. Eddie Murray had the highest batting average in baseball at 331. However, Eddie Murray did not win a batting title, even though he had the best batting average in baseball because Willie McGee had 501 at-bats, 542 plate appearances with the Cardinals. So he 
despite hitting 324 on the season, won the NL batting title, hitting 335. Part of the reason why I mentioned those three names, all three of them played with Harry Ralston Black. All teammates, yeah. The six six degrees of Julius Jakin. Yeah. (laughs) All all, all that connection with all those guys. Yeah, it's... Yep. Man, I know we we, we think more recently that guys jump around from, from team to team, but you're right, it was... Right there in that that 1990, early to mid 90s, where you really started to see that happen. I think a lot more frequently. I think it, I think it probably even I would say it died down maybe a little bit in the 2000s and early 2010s. Obviously, you know, big time free agents went where they they should go, but uh, yeah, it's always interesting. Like you were teammates with who? Like for a minute? Uh, yeah, even Corey Sullivan has those kind of stories. Where all right now, when I was in New York, which you know he wasn't with the Mets very long, but he's got stories about all the Mets guys. And so it's, it's, it's a yeah. wonderful fraternity. Well, and that's one of the things. And I actually mentioned this to Bud Black last year. I was like, did you realize with the 98 or 98, 88 uh, Indians, they, they had a ton of future managers on the team. Ron Washington was on the team. Terry Francona was on the team. Uh, Bud Black, of course, was on the team. John Farrell was on the team. Their hitting coach was Charlie Manuel. Their um, might have been, it was either, I, I, Mike Hargrove was on the coaching staff as well. Charlie Manuel might have been with their AAA affiliate, which was coincidentally the hat you're wearing right now, Colorado Springs. But they had, with their coaching staff and players, they had six or seven future managers. They had Lloyd McClendon in the minor leagues. So there's another manager. It's like, if you look back and like, huh, that's interesting. And none of them were, at least for the position players, none of them were everyday players. Francona, Washington, for example, they were on the back end of their careers. But that's that's the baseball fraternity, as they say. So That's yeah, very cool. I like that. So is there anything that you think that, or anything that you want to plug for DNVR Rockies? Well, no, just check out the DNVR Rockies podcast anywhere you listen to a podcast. We drop that every day, Monday through Friday, a couple bonuses in there throughout the week. But uh, especially if you enjoy, you know, listening to your your baseball content, Rockies content on your your ride into work, you can expect that to drop at 5 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. So it's it's going to be ready for you there. And, uh, you know, we also write about the Rockies, too, on the DNVR.com, which we got a special now. It's only 50 cents for your first month. And now we have Susie Hunter, who's uh, doing some great things on the podcast as well. And she's writing some some really fun articles. So, you know, just any and all of that kind of uh, attention and uh, check us out. We'd, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, I saw with Susie that she wrote one about uh, Robert Stevenson and Lucas Gilbreth. And even it's been strengthened but even last year when Gilbreth made his debut they those two had a very a, a very strong bond almost right away so very interesting uh bullpen article which that's it's one thing bullpen guys uh, part of it was last year when they they struggled a lot but a lot of the uh, there's a lot of stories that can can come out of the bullpen some of which are safe for public consumption some of which are not <laughs> But the ones for that are safe for public consumption are still very interesting stories. Like, like with that, of their yeah. their COVID road trip. 
yeah, it was a real buddy comedy type situation going on there. It's, it's wild. Yeah. So, well, thank you very much for volunteering to join me. Well, of course, as we mentioned, Kevin is on assignment. He will be back next week. Um, with the Rockies being in Detroit, I will be in Detroit and Kevin, as long as he returns safe and sound from his, his world, uh, assignment that he will be in Philadelphia as well, or he may be in Philadelphia. So, but until we talk to you next time, well, first off is you say, Patrick, what do you say at the end of your podcast? That, you know, despite how great a show is, momentum is only as good as tomorrow's podcast. And as we say, or as Kevin Henry says, go Rockies. Go Rockies. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.